It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Salad episode 213. No more merciful beheadings. <laughs> I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. And today we have an insanely special guest. I am so happy to have her back. She was here last year when we talked about um, uh, the movies of 1990. And now we are truly, madly, deeply thrilled to have back. M from the Verbal Diorama podcast. And cancel Christmas. Hello. Yes. <laughs> no more scraps for lepers and orphans. <laughs> Hi, I, everyone. I'm so glad to be back. It's I, been like we, a year. It has been a year. And yeah. this is like, I know that there's so much here because three Keanu Reeves movies um, mm-hmm. over the course of a two part episode is going to be really cool. And yes, this will be two parts. Just laying that out there for you. Um, well, the sheer, the sheer volume of movies that came out in 1991 just shocked me. There were a hmm. lot of movies on this movies list, worth Joe, talking about, yeah. that I was like, I thought that came out in 92. I thought that came out in 93. Yeah. So, wow. So, M, tell us a little bit about your podcast for those who are not already in the know. You, you, we share audiences, but... Just, just so okay. they are. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we probably share like one or two people, maybe. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah or several. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Verbal Diorama. Sure. So Verbal Diorama is hosted by me. I basically, because I'm ridiculous and clearly a glutton for punishment, I host a solo podcast, which is basically me doing everything it's very hard work very enjoyable um but i like to talk about the history and legacy of movies so every week i take a movie and i basically talk about the history of it the production casting trivia basically anything that i can think of that will link to that movie any little tidbits of information i will put in an episode and i will put it out there and, and basically that's what I really love to do and I often feel like it's very easy to uh to shit um, oh, I don't swear on my podcast but I'm gonna swear now it's very easy to <laughs> shit on movies uh <laughs> it, and you know there's a lot of movies a lot of movies that came out in 1991 that weren't particularly great 
um, mm. but also a lot of movies that were. But, you know, it's it's all subjective, really, at the end of the day. But ultimately, any time a movie gets made, it is an achievement for that movie to get made, for all of those people to come together, to work together and to get something out of the door. It It is a phenomenon, really. And mm. so I like to try and be as positive as possible. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't often feature movies that are completely terrible. I like to <laughs> I like to feature movies that I kind of feel are at least redeemable. Um, and I like to talk about all sorts. So I like to talk about blockbusters. I like to talk about smaller movies that maybe didn't do so well. Um, so I, I like to try and keep it, uh, you know, a good variety of stuff. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> you'll notice I don't give one word answers. So <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> I've just spent like three hours telling you about my podcast. Uh, so it's been it's been a pleasure, everyone. Thanks very much for having me. Bye. <laughs> and now we're on to part two. <laughs> Thank you, Em. Yeah, we are we are th- we are thrilled to have you back. Um, Nineteen ninety one, as we mentioned, is really quite the year. And wow. I just want to like a little programming shift of what we're we usually do when we do these types of discussions. Usually. We put out the call to social media and ask for their feedback. However, we're going to save that until the end of uh, part two, only because there was a lot of lists. And while I do like to promote the other podcasts and uh, participants that give us their feedback, um, I feel it's going to be a little more pertinent to not break up the conversation unless there's something very specific about a movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that will be in part two. However, there were a few people who... um, kind of got to buck that trend, if you will. So I want to read you an intro. I'm, this is from my college friend, Dave McLean, who's a friend of the show and author of the Time Travelers uh, Resort and Museum. Uh, Dave writes that, I feel like 1991 was the year that all the movies were made that we watched were on videotape at purchase. The wild paranoia, paranoia ride of JFK sticks out is pretty memorable, as does the intense creepiness of Silence of the Lambs. However, if you are looking for a deep cut, I would have to re- uh, recommend My Own Private Idaho, Gus Van Sant's remake of Henry IV, set among gay prostitutes in the Northwest. So, not only does that cover the base of kind of like what this year includes, but it's also our first Keanu Reeves reference. So, Which is always good for me. Well, yeah, because we're going to have several um, obligatory Keanu moments here because I listened to Jaws today. Um, <laughs> woof. Okay. Woof! Wow, that was <laughs> that. That was that. That was so. You stretched so much on that. You could have probably just like done like three hours of weight training afterwards for the how just stretched you were for that. That is awesome. So, as I mentioned, we will be putting the social media out at the end. However, um, frequent contributor to the show in terms of snark, uh, our friend Steve from the Cape, uh, will be adding his little uh, nuggets and bonbons here and there. Uh, so we are going to cover the top, uh, this is part one, we are going to cover the top 15 top uh, box office grossing movies of the year. And then in part two, we will talk about everything else. So are we ready to kick this off, guys, with the first movie? Yes. Okay. Let's go. So coming in at 748 million dollars a movie uh steve says anyway set a course for out there somewhere star trek six the undiscovered country 
tickle us do we not laugh? Trick us do we not bleed? Wrong us shall we not revenge? something else to shoot at. Aye, sir. Ah. The game's afoot, huh? Our revels now are ended, Kirk. This is, you know, this is the movie that puts the lie to the whole uh, even-numbered Star Trek movies are good. See, I don't even... I it, like Star Trek 6. I, I thought, love I Star, Star Trek 6. Trek, Star Trek I, I like it, but in the, original, in the original cast, the OG cast, this is the weakest of the even-numbered even movies. Yeah, that, a that's, a, that's a long yeah. shot. That's a good way to put it, yeah. I, I thought it was the best way to just kind of... Well, and the and the book on the original cast. Yeah, that would have been nice if Shatner hadn't gotten in his head that you know I'll come back for the next movie. Oh don't, well, no, B- uh, Bill, you don't have to. Well, that's you on Shatner, huh? Yeah, that's that's all on him. Uh, the rest of the cast, good, a nice little ending. Well, except for Leonard Nimoy, but no, yeah, but he's Leonard Nimoy. He he yeah. really is like the one person that I could watch in all the movies, and they just need to bring him back digitally now. Yeah. <laughs> or a hologram like they do with Tupac. Uh, Catherine M, thoughts on this? And Catherine loves this one. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously Shatner's going to Shatner all over it. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just stepped in a huge pile of Shatner. Shat- <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, I thought the storytelling was good. I thought it was compelling. Although you know, after after the umpteenth. Uh, uh, Shakespeare quote. <laughs> oh God, we get it. You're British Klingon. We get it. <laughs> but that actor is always spot on. Yeah, Crystal so. Plummer. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, I, I don't know. What is your, what is your like love hate level of Star Trek? It's not something you and I have really talked a lot about. I mean, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have not seen this movie. Uh, it was only very recently, I think, end of last year, that I saw The Wrath of Khan for the first time, which I did enjoy a lot. I thought that was really great. Um, but my history with Star Trek movies uh, is is pretty non-existent, actually, which is strange <laughs> because I grew up watching... Um, well, the original Star Trek used to be on British TV. I think it was on BBC Two. Um, and we used to get repeats of that. And I I grew up watching The Next Generation. So I did used to watch Star Trek. Okay. But I never really watched the movies. And then the J.J. Abrams movies came out. And I watched all of those. And I think the first one is really fun. Um, 
And then they obviously, then I realised after I saw The Wrath of Khan that it was basically the second <laughs> rebooted Star Trek movie again. Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, kind of, I understand the comparisons now between uh, Into Darkness and Wrath of Khan, for sure. Um, but no, I've only seen The Wrath of Khan out of those wow. original movies. So Check, check yeah. out Star Trek. Check out Star Trek Four. It is yes, Star Trek Four is the best. Is that the one with the whales? Yep. Yes. Easily the most fun. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. If you if you have never seen Star Trek Six, you have missed out on Kim Cattrall as a Vulcan. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I do love Kim Cattrall. To be fair, (laughs) I think she's awesome. So. um... And and Christopher Plummer as a Klingon. Yeah. Yeah, they got some some big name actors. I think they are available over here. I'm, I'm pretty certain they're on yeah. streaming. Over they here. must just, be. I, I, have... I watched Wrath of Khan and I was like, right then, I don't need to watch anything else. I'm done. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, good. So... There's a cameo by Christian Slater in yes. it as well. But yeah. I yeah. love the, a bit of 80s slash 90s Christian Slater. Oh, well, you will get it. You will get it, my dear. Okay, so now I'm going to go. I am going to go now. I'm going to go and watch Star Trek, whatever it was. It's six. It's six. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to go and watch it. Uh, I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you can tell us <laughs> no, what in part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 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 I will watch it at some point, I'm sure. Do I assume I might need to watch some of the others, though, to maybe get some uh, things. Honestly, no. Really. This one nah. is more like a long-form TV episode. The Yeah. What's called the the Captain's Collection, which is two, three, and four, are the only ones that actually all tie together. So, uh, rat- correction, actually, uh, you Star Trek three does have a connection to this one. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Klingon yeah, bastards he, killed my yeah. son. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, thank you for the spoiler for M. <laughs> She's gonna forget that. It's just like my forgettable Shatner uh, impression. I thought I could actually woman. I I don't forget things. Okay. <laughs> it's my job to remember things. That's cool. Okay. Of <laughs> All right. I think we need to move on now then okay. to number fourteen for the year. Seventy seven point eight million dollars backdraft. Steve says, did you see Backdraft? Dude, you have to see Backdraft because we need to talk about Backdraft and how Backdraft changed my life. In fact, my top 10 list of movies from 1991 is watching Backdraft 10 times. Backdraft! across the door and up across the ceiling not because of the physics of flammable liquids but because it wants to some guys on this job fire rounds on it makes them fight it on its level but the only way to truly kill it is to love it a little just like Ronald (laughs) 
Yeah, this is definitely the Dude Bros movie uh, for 1991. Oh, my God. This movie, it's, how is it that the old guys are the best things in this movie? And by old guys, I mean De Niro and Donald Sutherland. <laughs> well, you don't think you don't think Scott Glenn uh, carried the movie? Oh God! All right, um, M, Catherine, Mike, I, I, I've seen you... I've seen this movie once. It's been so long. I honestly, I most remember the score because they use it as the ending theme to uh, Iron Chef, uh, the original Japanese one. Oh, they do. Yeah, the original Japanese Iron Chef. The ending theme is the theme from Backdraft. They even have you know. Have a credit for it. Wow. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of the Yakuza then. Jeez. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Catherine gets that joke. Uh, <laughs> I I seem to remember this movie being a lot bigger than it ended up being, according to the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. You're right. I mean... It was a, it was a, I remember it was a big deal when it came out. No, everybody just would not stop talking about it. I yeah. mean, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a good movie when it first came out. I mean, I haven't seen it in 15 years, but yeah, yeah. it's not high on the reach watchability. Uh, no, like, especially when you're a little older and you realize that Billy Baldwin talking to fire really isn't a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, no, Billy Baldwin is not a good thing. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, you can just stop there. Yeah, <laughs> I just got. Yeah, I, I just, gotta, yeah. I, I just real quick. I just got to wonder how if this movie had a Top Gun effect, where it made a whole bunch of uh, guys in our from our generation become firefighters. I was <laughs> wondering that. Um, I don't know. All I know is that around the same time in our area, they had to rebuild the fire academy. Um, I think it was like in, the one in Sudbury because yeah. the original one burned down. under mysterious circumstances yep exactly oh shadow uh em have you seen backdraft i have seen backdraft okay and um i mean i don't remember much about it other than there was lots of explosions and lots of fire and kurt russell (laughs) um so if you asked me to tell you the plot of backdraft right now it would be Fire, explosions, Kurt Russell has to save probably somebody. I don't know, but I'm assuming. Because it genuinely, I think, this movie, I remember being quite big. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was a child. But I do recall everyone talking about backdraft. And and then it just seems to have really disappeared. Like, it's a movie that no one talks about now. Um but I, I distinctly remember to someone talking about the science of backdraft and about how fires, about obviously if you open a door on a fire and, 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 and something in my head is telling me that backdraft was used in some way to teach us about keeping doors closed with fire. And I don't know exactly when or where that happened, but obviously they say, you know, if there's a fire... And if it's behind a door, don't open the door because the you know the oxygen that you give yep. the fire will you know in, entice the flames into uh, into where you are. So I think you know from a from a health and safety point of view, I think it's probably very relevant. But I don't remember it as you know a good movie. But then I was probably quite young when I saw mm. it. So and I've never bothered to see it since. Wow. 
I uh, I just looked up its Wikipedia page. Yep. Uh, apparently, they made a sequel. Yeah. It, it was released yes. direct to video um, in May 14th, 2019. And was oh, Billy Baldwin in that one, too? He was. Of course uh. he was. You know, it's it's really interesting when you try to pinpoint the lesser Baldwin. Because there are so many of them. Well, at least it's not Steve Baldwin. Yeah, that's true. Don, right, well, Donald Sutherland came back as well. Oh, my God. Well, Donald Sutherland's old, and she's just like he's just looking for work at this point, I think. He'll do just about uh, anything for a paycheck, I think. Uh, he, was in Buffy yeah, the, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's yeah, true. He did, he did National Lampoon's uh, uh, Animal House for just a paycheck. But one, yep. one, one day's filming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he gets to do it without pants on. What more yep. did you want? <laughs> And he caused all sorts of all shorts. I can't, I can't speak all shorts. All sorts of uh, shit on the Buffy set as well. So, um, can I come back for uh, movies of nineteen ninety two to talk about Buffy? <laughs> yes, of course you can. Sweet, of course you can. Because not only do we have that, but we also have Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, spoiler alert: that is going to be coming up on Verbal Diorama very soon. I'm very excited oh, to talk about Dracula. Oh, you are getting the audio clip, like the pristine audio clip of, of, of my Dracula cry then. <laughs> You're going to Budapest. 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 All right, so let's let's move on then to a movie I know is near and dear to far more people's hearts than I really wish was possible. <laughs> $78.6 million, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Hi, guys. Yo, April. Hey. What it is? Yeah. We brought a dinner. Let's see. Ah, pizza. Yep. Again. Pepperoni. Please, please. Uh. A moment to reflect. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja pizza? Pizza that vanished quickly without trace. Ah. Yo, Mikey, hmm? toss me a ninja slice. Donnie, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. 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 Come, Come on, on for it. Come no. over here. Okay. Mikey, here. No. I'm right here. He's in the 40s. He's He looks. He rolls back. Oh, no, he sees half in the end zone. He goes deep. Aha. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. If he had told me that this movie made that much money, I would have I would have told you were lying. Because <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing this. I went to see this during our uh, April spring break. I was with James. I was with Moose. We were uh, down in uh, in uh, Virginia for the for spring break. Yeah, we went to the, we went to the movie theater to watch this. He and I were the only ones in the theater, and this was like <laughs> not that far after release. <laughs> This it was like a, a week. This was like, it was like a week or two after it was released. So we're like, "Wow, okay." This was the first movie I remember ever seeing in theaters. Wow. Yep. For the longest time, my parents did not let us go into in, uh, movies. And then one time, we were down on the Cape, and I guess they just wanted an afternoon around, so they gave us money, sent us down to Mashpee Commons. We went to see the movies, and we went to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Secret of Use, and I've loved it ever since. Ah, uh, it's. This is an interesting movie because the first movie is legitimately a good movie. Yeah. yeah. It is really good. Yeah. But some 
some parents groups had problems and took issue with the amount of weapons being displayed. Right. So while the, you know, while the turtles had their weapons completely holstered at all times, there it, you never once see anybody pull out a sai or pull out a katana or, you know, nunchucks or anything. That's when, you know, you get them using scenes of like two pepperoni sticks and Yo-yo. What's that? Oh, the yo-yo. Yes. Oh, Around the world! Oh, boy. I just... I don't know. There's, like, a certain time and place and age, and I it, it completely skipped over me after the second... with the second movie. Uh, come so. on. David, David Warner has never been greater than in this movie. Except for maybe <laughs> Tron. I forget he was in this movie. That's how long it's been. You know, if, if, it's like one of those two guys keep reminding myself. Vanilla Ice is in this movie. And Kevin oh, Nash. Oh, God, that's right. He is. Yeah, yeah. he is. Kevin he, Nash is in this movie as uh, the Super, Super Shredder. Yeah, Super Shredder. That was the... I, I mean, my eyes just bugged out when I saw that. I was like, this is so cool! <laughs> <laughs> For the whole, like, what, minute and a half, he actually showed up before they dropped more crap on him. And That's like, all okay, you needed. Gone. That's all you needed to just revel in the awesomeness that is Super Shredder. <laughs> I was going to ask, is this the one with Vanilla Ice? Because yeah. I couldn't remember. Um, I know that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies um, were on quite a lot in my house because me and my brother used to watch them quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lament my uh, childhood uh, taste in movies, but... I do, looking back at the, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, I've not seen them, actually, in, in their entirety since I was a child. Um, bit like Super Mario Brothers, I kind of feel like it would ruin the magic for me because I rewatched <laughs> Super Mario Brothers and I realised that childhood me was just had really shit taste in films. Um, but... The, the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, I, I mean, they, they do kind of blur into one for me, and I think that was because we watched them on repeat quite a lot. But I do yeah. remember Vanilla Ice, and I do remember the, the what is it, the Ninja Rap, or whatever it's yep. called, when the turtles go on stage and they do a little dance and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it's to me, it's basically inoffensive fun, but... Um, I, I've not, I've not actually seen this one or the previous one for well, pretty much since I was a kid. So, wow. um, but I mean, really, it's the sort of thing that verbal diorama is very into with all the practical effects and the puppet work and all of that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm never going to say never that I'll cover Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I feel like <laughs> all of the costume work that's done in those movies i think is and the animatronics and everything like that i mean it was impressive back then so yeah. i feel like only it's either gonna look great still or it's gonna have aged slightly but i kind of feel like it probably still does look kind of great but yeah i don't i don't remember the plot i just remember vanilla ice um and no one <laughs> wants to remember vanilla ice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all all the uh, all the animatronic creature costumes were created by the creature the Henson Sheep Creature Shop, right? And the movie was actually dedicated to Jim Henson, right? Because this one came out. This was the one that came out after he had died. Yeah, less than a year before. Yeah, 
Um, I, the, the, my biggest takeaway from this movie is that the very beginning, because it's just like this montage of people walking around the streets of New York eating pizza. And the way it's filmed never makes me just never want to eat pizza again. <laughs> it's just like, oh, none of this is appealing. And I love pizza. Uh, it's I've seen it. I think I watched this one last maybe five or six years ago. It's it's not a great movie, but it's it's so much. I still have so much fun watching it. Uh, I don't know about uh, how your um, mileage would vary on that, um, but I still have fun watching. I'll, I'll watch. You know, if if it's on TV or I'll just pop it in, I'll do it because why not? It's still fun. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on then to number twelve. Seventy nine million dollars. Cape Fear. You're not going to hurt me, are you? I'm not going to hurt you at all. There's no hurting here, Danielle. Between us, there's no anger, nothing. Just a search for truth. I mean, did you judge me? Did you get angry at me when you caught me smoking the grass? Hmm? No. But your parents, they judged you. They got plenty angry at you, didn't they? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They punished you for their sins. What'd they do? They, um, my dad, they just yelled a mm-hmm. whole lot, and, um, my mom cried, and, and my dad said I couldn't drive to Cherokee. Yeah, they, they punished you for their sins, and you resent that, and you should resent it. But Professor Durad has a little advice for you. You shouldn't damn him. Don't judge him. Just forgive him, for they know not what they do. Well, um, why do you hate my father? I don't hate him at all. Oh, no. I pray for him. I'm here to help him. Never seen this one. No, I've never seen it either. No. I've seen seen bits and pieces, but I haven't sat through it. Ooh, this is a good one. This is one I haven't watched in forever, and I'm curious if it's streaming anywhere. Um, It is... It's a real departure for Scorsese because at this point, you know, it was it was just like mob movies all the time. This is his follow up to Goodfellas. Well, this is also a remake. It is a remake, and he actually does a very good job trying to use a lot of the film tricks that were done in the black and white original. Um, and there, I mean, there's even I mean, it was Robert Mitchum who played yeah. uh, Max Cady in the original. Is he has a part in this movie? As a lawyer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is a fantastic movie. And quite honestly, the best performance in this movie, De Niro is always awesome. Let's give that to him. He's always awesome. Juliette Lewis steals this movie. She's Mm. so good in this. And she was Was playing like, I mean, all she was doing in this, up to this point, was just playing like, you know, disinterested, drugged out teenagers. I mean, well, this was, was in, really right. this yeah. was really like her breakout role, wasn't it? Like this, this was, was her, one. She was nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah, this is like really launched her into being a a, a, a star. Yeah, oh, she was fantastic in this movie. I mean, the closest thing I've ever come to watching this movie is uh, it's my it's the basis for my favorite uh, Simpsons Sideshow Bob episode. Oh God, Cape Fear. Yeah. 
Yeah, that one. That's great. <laughs> so, and you guys haven't seen it. I do. I de- All right. So we'll move on, but I definitely recommend watching Cape Fear. So number 11, $82.4 million. Fried green tomatoes. Uh, excuse me, uh, I was waiting for that space. Yeah? Tough. Face it, lady, we're younger and faster. Never seen it. Oh, it's a classic of, you know, 90s female empowerment. Yep. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah I, guess, yeah, I guess I guess this is the movie that any if any girl needs a, a good crying session, this is the one they want to watch. Now, or, this, or wants to feel like they can, you know, beat something up. This movie, we're, we're younger and faster. Yeah, I'm older and have more insurance. Does this one star either Sally Fields, Julie Roberts, or Olivia Dukakis? No, this actually okay. was Jessica Tandy and Kathy Bates. Okay. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't oh. remember the younger women. Hang on, I'll, I'll get it. Okay. But um, I, I feel like the blonde we should know, and can't remember if we're supposed to remember who Ruth is. I have that. I've not seen the movie, but I've got a bit of an interesting sort of semi story about it. Yeah. In the. When I remember when this movie was advertised, so first of all, it was advertised in the UK as Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Oh that, that was the full title. Oh. And also, I remember. Sorry? That's the title of the book that it's based on. Oh, okay. So, so I've always known it as that, the, the full title. But also, I distinctly remember when I was a kid. Um, I didn't understand why the title was wrong, because we call them tomatoes. And I didn't understand why they were tomatoes, <laughs> because I was like, but it's tomatoes. Why are they saying it wrong? <laughs> and I didn't realise that obviously in America, you say tomato, we say tomato. Um, but, That's called yeah. a <laughs> it's, so yeah, that that's 
I remember being very cross at the advertisement at the time because I felt like they were getting it wrong. <laughs> Even though it was an, obviously an American announcer and he'd be like, fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. And I'd be like, what are you saying, tomatoes? <laughs> but yeah, apparently uh, there are some differences between English American and English English vernacular that I now realise, now that I've grown up a little bit, I realise that, I mean, you are still kind of wrong, I'll be honest. But if that's the way you want to say it, then, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Right. <laughs> we it's the full title over here, so we've never known it as Fried Green Tomatoes. It's always Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, but I've never seen it. So, okay. <laughs> so, so some of the characters from the, 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 the actors from, that played the stuff that they're telling it from in the past, Mary Stuart Masterson, Mary Louise Parker, and Chris O'Donnell's in it. Oh, is he? He is. Really? Interesting. Huh. Okay. I just, this, this is a movie for wine moms before they, they, they coined the term wine moms. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a Tawanda bumper sticker. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's move on then to... Oh, we're in the top 10. Number 10, $86.9 million. The Naked Gun, two and a half. The Smell of Fear. Ed, is it just my imagination, or is the whole world crazy? No, it's just a small percentage of the population, Frank. I hope you're right. It's just that I don't know if I fit anymore. You're still thinking about Jane, aren't you? She's part of my life, Ed. Always will be. Think about her constantly. But it's done. The minute I heard her say, get out of my life forever, I know it was over. You know, sometimes I think about you and Edna. That's when I envy you, Ed, because you have someone. You have the same person every day for over 30 years. You wake up with her, you eat with her, you sleep with her. Make love to the same woman. You spend every possible waking moment together. Well, I'm out running around with some 20-year-olds who just want to have a good time and cheap sex, sex, sex. Girls who can't say no. Girls who can't get enough. More, more, more. It's your turn now to wear the handcuffs. Hey, I... I just want to love and... I'm sure you'll find love, Frank. Not as good as the first one, but still, I it's think an, it's solid comedy. It's enjoyable, but yeah, I agree with Mike. I mean, it, it, it was, it's hard to top the first one. Yeah. But yeah. It works. It works for what it is. Yeah. In terms of the, the, like, the Zazz sequels, this is leagues better than Airplane 2. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of fun stuff in there. I remember seeing that, um, with, like, on the poster, below the title, they would have, like, Leslie Nielsen, Priscilla Presley, but they'd also, like, give them, you know, like, the, you know, Frank Drebin, and then they had Robert Goulet, because we couldn't afford Wayne Newton. <laughs> so, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of great gags in this movie, um... There's another Zaz movie that's coming up uh, in part two that we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, anybody have any thoughts on this one? 
I um, think I saw it, but I don't remember it. Uh. Yeah, I think I've seen it, but I, I, I could, I would definitely remember the Naked Gun, but I don't remember the Naked Gun two and a half. But I've, I have, I feel like I've seen it because I feel like I've seen all three uh-huh. of those movies, but. I kind of feel like they're not very indistinguishable from each other for me. Um, But, I mean, they're fine. Like, Leslie Nielsen, I think, is a bit of a comedy genius, and I I always enjoy him in comedy roles. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I I couldn't, again, I couldn't tell you what the plot of this movie is other than Frank Drebin probably does something hilarious and has to save someone. (laughs) I don't know. Yep. My favorite line is just like um, he gets caught by the bad guys and he's wearing a wire, and the key word for you know for his backup is "I love it." Yes. And so they're patting him down. And he says, and they're like, "What's that smell?" He's like, "Oh, that would be me. I've been swimming in raw sewage. I love I it. I love it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's got its moments. Again, something I need to go back and watch again. Um. Yeah, as far as sequels go, Zaz usually doesn't have the best track record, but I think this is probably the best one. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree hardly with that one, even though there are some great gags in uh, Hot Shots Part Deux. Oh, it, I forgot that that was theirs as well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, no, sorry, that's probably their best sequel. <laughs> All right, so let's move on then to number nine, uh, which took in $89.3 million. Father of the Bride. Master Bonks, I do this for a loving, you know? Trust me. A moving van must take oh, everything up. It's an orthodox van, so sure, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Arnie, Mrs. Bonks, come this way, please. So, what do you think of the singer? We do have other choices. I'd like to see him. Good, that's good, no problem. <laughs> I came to her, everyone, and my best friend in the whole world, Hank Jukuninsky. Chevron the Haven. Hi. 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 Uh, if I could have a moment of your time to discuss the menu. The menu, the menu. No, Remind the menu. me. The menu, yes. Unfortunately, Hank didn't speak English, so I will translate. Frank, that'll, that'll be a big help. It's confit, I could see second to the other. If you have an extremely pale home, I guess you'll like that. Never should have a ghost. Make up a dick dip. Oh, she fit with the patata. This is what Hunk seduced. For the man crush, he wants to survive. Oh, really? I have a problem with that. With what? With veal. I keep reading there's a lot of inhumane treatment in the way they treat the calves. Very that too. You're very chic. No vol. So the Dali seafood which is also chic, or Thalus is not cheap with chip. I love Father of the Bride. Yeah. I love it's it. Very charming. It's, it's incredibly charming. It's very sweet. Um I am a huge fan of Steve Martin. Um I think he is so great. Oh, yeah. And this is one of my favourite roles of his because he's just such a typical dad um and i i just think it's really sweet really charming and i i have a lot of time for this movie um obviously much better than the second movie by (laughs) a long shot yeah but i if this is on tv i will happily sit and watch it 
Uh, I've got no quibbles uh, about, you know, if I find it on streaming, I'll watch it. I just think it's really, really lovely. I didn't know it was a remake, actually, at all, um, when I first saw it. It wasn't until much later that I realised it was a remake. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was an original movie. <laughs> so, um, but no, I've never seen the original, so I can't, I can't compare them. But Steve Martin's great. Uh, the whole cast is pretty great. The comedy is a little bit... Sometimes a little bit too slapstick, maybe. Um, but I I kind of forgive it for a lot of its silliness because uh, it can get a little bit too silly. But ah. I, uh, I, I, I think it's lovely. Yeah. I, there, there's a lot to love about this movie. I, Martin Short is fantastic yeah. in this. For, for me, uh, I, I love Steve Martin. But for me, Steve Martin Short steals every scene he's in. Oh, he's Frank. Hmm? Is he Frank? Yeah, he's Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was also I. I remember this was my when Autumn and I first got engaged. We were kind of looking at different um, venues to have our reception, and my father-in-law was like, "I have it. I have a great idea. The steak pit." <laughs> <laughs> Just directly, and he said it the same way that Steve Martin did, and it was just—it's fantastic. It's just the way that he—he he said that, oh. and because you know now I know how much weddings cost. Um, that you know, <laughs> dang. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I I think this movie is is very charming. I haven't watched this in forever, and I kind of need to. Well, I think the important question here is, though, Andy, yeah. did you go to the steak pit? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, no. And the question still remains, are, are we doing Stonehenge tonight? So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if we got a movie that we're going to spend the least amount of time talking about <laughs> right now, it's number eight. $101.5 million sleeping with the enemy. Hello? Hello, Mr. Bernie. My name is Vanessa Shelley. Yes? I hope I'm not disturbing you. I just heard about Laura and I wanted to call and tell you how much we'll miss her. Thank you. How did you know her? From the YWCA. No, you must be speaking of someone else. My wife never went to the YWCA. No, no. We took swimming there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Look, there's obviously some mistake. My wife drowned. She, she couldn't swim. Well, at first she couldn't, but she became a good swimmer. I'm sure you have the wrong woman. This is odd. Mr. Bernie, your wife studied gymnastics, didn't she? <sighs> no, my wife never studied gymnastics. That's strange. She told us that's how she got all those terrible bruises. Okay. Never sure. seen it. Nope. I, nope. <laughs> I know it's a Julia Roberts movie, I think. Yeah, is it is. Right oh, yeah, yeah, you think. Yeah, it is. Uh, 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 I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, man. I I only remember this movie because this was around the time that, that like, Hollywood was trying to make Patrick Bergen happen. Ooh. And Patrick... Oh, Patrick Bergen essentially was like the poor man's Kevin Klein. 
Um, but he wasn't that funny. And he 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 did this, and around the same time uh, of the release of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, there was another Robin Hood movie feature with uh, Patrick Bergen as Robin Hood and Uma Thurman as Maid Marian. And oh, my God. oh yeah, that's just a license to print money right there. Yep. <laughs> and I think we can kind of leave it at that. Um, <laughs> it is not a. Uh, yeah, it is not yeah, a yeah. well-loved movie. It's one of those movies that makes a ton of mo- uh, money, and then a year later, everyone's like, huh? What movie? They made, like, they yeah, made exactly. this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that the one where the guy is dying? No, that's Dying Young, also from this year. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so uh, number seven, 100, uh, $113.5 <sighs> million, and a movie that Steve says, I'm fortunate enough to be at an age where being hot for teenager Christina Ricci wasn't creepy. Yet being hot for Wednesday Adams makes me yeah, it makes you as creepy as fuck forever. It's the Adams family. Look at her. I would die for her. I would kill for her. Either way, what bliss? Unhappy, darling. Yes, completely. Gomez. Son, il me perce comme un poignard. Oh, Tish. That's French. Oui. Gomez. Querida. Last night you were unhinged. You were like some desperate howling demon. You frightened me. Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) A a good good movie. movie made great by its sequel. Because it's sequel is so good. Yeah, one of the few times when the sequel far surpasses the original. Yeah, let 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 us give a shout out to Raul Julia because he owns this movie. Yes, he does. Him and Angelica Houston. Yes, Angelica Houston and Raul Julia make our. I mean, if there's ever going to be a follow up to um, uh, John Aston as uh, Gomez Adams, yeah, you can't go wrong with Raul Julia. Yeah, he oh, was. God, no. Their their relationship is so wonderful. Yeah, I feel like well, it, my know, whole time in podcasting has has come to this moment where I can talk about the Adams family yeah. because Yay. I I have not featured the Adams family. I will be featuring the Adams family. I, I feel like I'm giving away all my secrets now. I'm going to be doing Dracula. <laughs> I'm going to be doing the Adams family. They're both going to be coming in October. Um, the Adams family is genuinely. One of my favourite movies ever. <laughs> I I love the sequel too. Um, don't get me wrong, but I have a, a huge fondness for the Adams family for everything that movie went through to actually get made in the first place. And there's so much greatness in this movie. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned Rule Julia. I mean, there's there's no one 
for me, who encompasses Gomez Adams more than Rule Julia could. Angelica Houston, both of them perfectly cast. I love their relationship. I love their passion. I love the sex positivity between them. The fact mm. that they will just go off and bang each other because they're so yeah. hot for each other. And this is a kids movie. You know, it is a family yeah. movie. Yeah. And yet you've basically got them drooling over each other. And I love the fact that they love each other so much. Yeah. I am such a huge, huge fan. I am a huge fan of Christina Ricci as well. Yes. I think she is brilliant as Wednesday. Um, and I mean, yeah, you could say it's a very basic story. And, you know, the whole um, Festa, who is he really? You know, they're bringing like a fake Festa. And then it turns out, spoiler alert, he's the real Festa. All of that. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. But I absolutely adore it. I yeah. watch it more than, I, more than I'm willing to admit. <laughs> I will watch The Addams Family. Because yeah. I just think so brilliant and when they were when they announced the animated version which i've never seen i'll be i'll be honest uh i was really mostly disappointed because i know there was like a third adam's family live action movie which i think was straight to video um i don't want to watch the animated one because i feel like rule julia is gomez um, Angelica Houston is Morticia. Christina Ricci is Wednesday, and that lad I can never remember his name is Pugsley. Yeah, yeah. well, you know <laughs> I've, I've actually seen the animated one, and it's cute. And credit to Oscar Isaac, you know, maybe because I just have a man crush on him. But he yeah, does that's, that's very, totally why he he does a very good job as as uh, Gomez. It's yeah, like, it, it, I don't want to say he's I don't want to say he's channeling Raul Julia. But he does make the character his own. I'm I'm willing to give it a shot for Oscar Isaac because I I, I I'll admit I am willing to do a lot for Oscar Isaac. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people who are willing to do a lot for Oscar Isaac. But yeah. I I just don't I feel like the partnership of Rule Julia and Angelica Houston I just think it's absolute cinematic. Yeah, yeah and it, yeah you they 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 ooze chemistry. They, oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and when you look yeah. into what Angelica Houston had to go through to to you know to even walk, um, you know when, when she was wearing that dress, she uh, she basically had to. I think she had like um, like a backboard or something like that, and and it was really uncomfortable for her and all of that sort of stuff. It's really fascinating. But yeah, I'll talk about that more in my episode on the Adams family, which is going to be out in October. Um, <laughs> plug, but. I, I love the Adams family. And Adams Family Values is is fantastic as well. I think you're absolutely right. I think it is a fantastic sequel. But yeah. I uh I have so much love for this movie and I finally get to tell someone <laughs> how much I love the Adams family. Nice. I I really it, there's just there's a lot about this movie and Christina Ricci is such like this is a breakout role for her. Literally. <laughs> she yeah, she is fantastic in this. And you know, it, it, it's like I showed this to my my daughter, and she absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then I showed her the sequel. She was like even more in love with that one. So definitely looking forward to two years from now. We got to make a mental note because 1993 will have Adam's Family Values and Super Mario Brothers movie. So, Em, you got to come back for those. 
Well, at the moment, I'm coming back for most of the years, aren't I? Because uh, I think you are. We got to leave that for ninety nine. Yeah, you I've said stuck in ninety nine. So, so you've basically got me booked for the next eight years at least. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's move on then to uh, number six, one hundred nineteen point six million dollars at a movie. Steve says, "I don't have a good joke for Hook beyond it looking like a Nickelodeon game show that somehow managed to make three hundred million dollars." I've waited long to shake your hand with this. Peter Pan, prepare to meet thy doom. Dark and sinister man, have at thee. this this movie is it really is an either love it or hate it kind of movie and i, I and by hate i don't mean anyone hate, who hates this dislike. movie I, I don't understand anyone who hates this movie i don't get it yep. please explain pure, to me movie is pure joy i love hook hook is mm. incredible i've done an episode on hook it's a wonderful movie and i will not accept <laughs> any negativity hook because <laughs> it's brilliant yeah, Andy. <laughs> amen uh, all right, Catherine, you're you're very quiet. <laughs> uh, I don't like. I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember it very much. Like mostly, mostly I remember you know like trivia, as in that outfit, the 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 hook costume was so hot they had to like run cooling lines through it to keep them air conditioned. Yeah. I and I remember that better. I remember that fact better than I remember the movie. <laughs> I think a lot of my issues with this movie are the fact that this was this was in a time when a lot of movies were vilifying, essentially vilifying work. Like the parents have, I understand that, especially as a dad, that you need to make that time with your kids. But they really take it to such an extreme in this. And there's a lot of like the. It just feels like there's a lot of moments in this movie. They're just they're forced upon you to try to keep it fun and keep it relevant. And it's just, it, there's just something about this movie that just doesn't click with me. And God bless you. If you like, like this movie, I'm, I'm happy you find something that you enjoy. I just am not one of those people. And I know that Spielberg is with me on this. So look, let's, I, I, don't care. I don't care what Spielberg <laughs> says about his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg has also said that he's not seen it in a long time and he is willing to revisit it and, th and see if it actually has changed his mind. Hmm. So I believe I implored him in the episode that I did on Hook 
to rewatch Hook because I do think there's a lot of value in that movie. I I'm a huge Robin Williams fan anyway, and basically I grew up on Robin Williams. So to me, this is pure unadulterated Robin Williams when he's the businessman at the start and when he shouts at his children it genuinely upsets me because i'm like that's not robin williams robin williams doesn't shout at children <laughs> um, so the, the whole and I, I appreciate the criticisms of this movie the fact that he doesn't actually turn into peter pan until way past the the halfway mark and this is a long movie as well it's like two almost two and a half hours long i believe yeah. so this is an incredibly long movie but it never felt long to me as a kid watching it because I was so enraptured by Neverland. And, you know, you look into the the issues that they had on set and the whole thing with Julia Roberts and what she was going through at the time. She was vilified by the press at the time. Yeah. She was really going through it. And it's just, you know, the sort of thing that's not really, you know, acceptable to be talking about anyone's private life, you know, when they're trying to do a job. Um, but I appreciate that, you know, that there are going to be reasons why people don't like Hook. I just refuse to accept them. Um, it's <laughs> a movie full of joy. It is it is completely bangerang and I adore Hook. Yeah. So, again, I, I feel like this is my moment. I've already spoken about Hook at length um, on my own podcast, but this is my moment to come on Geek Salad and stick up for Hook. <laughs> Because I know he hates the movie, and I feel like I need to basically be on the other end and say, "Andy, you're wrong." <laughs> well, I, I have I have posited to my kids. It, I asked them if they wanted to watch it. They said, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" I'm gonna let them make. It, it, uh, my daughter always starts most conversations about movies off with, "Is it bad?" And I'm like, "I'm gonna let you decide. I will just simply let you decide." So, okay. anyway. sure, the, fact, the fact that you've said I'll let you decide rather than it's really great, uh, <laughs> she's already got like uh, a predetermined thing, yeah. thought in her own mind. I'm not going to lie to her. You don't like the movie. <laughs> you really don't like the movie because you didn't say it was great. I feel <laughs> like if you didn't introduce a movie to your kids, then I think you should just say everything's great, even if it's not, because then they are going to be able to form their own judgment. Hmm. Or, or you could Daddy, say you lied to me. <laughs> or you could say, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. She asks you if it's good. You say it could be. <laughs> no, no, Andy. It would have been. It could have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what could have been? Rufy. Oh. All right. Let's move on then to number five. One hundred twenty-four million dollars. City Slickers. What's going on? Barry can pick out the exact right flavor of ice cream to follow any meal. <laughs> Go ahead. Challenge him. Challenge him. Come on. Franks and beans. Scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. <laughs> Come on. Push me. Sea bass. Grilled. Sautéed. I'm with you. Potatoes au gratin. 
asparagus. Rum raisin. Woof! Woof! What? How do you know he's right? How do we know? 1,400 retail outlets across the country. That's how we know. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't seen this one in ages. I haven't, I haven't either. either. And this, this one feeds into the same like complaint I had about Hook with the dad that just, like, they're defined by their career and only by their career. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of great funny moments in this movie, but anything where somebody tries to give him a pep talk is the worst thing in this movie. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think... Didn't um, Jack Palance get nominated for an Academy Award for this? Jack Palance won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, he did the push-ups at the Oscar. Yeah, he yeah. did the one on push-ups. He, Billy Crystal, you know, was was hosting that year. And Jack Pounds comes up to accept the award, and the first thing he says was, Billy Crystal, I've crapped bigger than him. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Have you seen this one? I'm actually just having a quick look on Wikipedia, but I don't think I have seen it. Uh, or if I have, I definitely don't remember it. Um, so, so the story is about, it's it, it's a guy in his, my God, I think he was supposed to be in his late 30s. So I'm already feeling old um, <laughs> because this is where his midlife crisis hits. Yeah, he and, t- he, he's turned to 39. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, youngin. And he, um, <laughs> he and his friends usually do like these adventure um, vacations. And they, they open the movie with them running, uh, running from the bulls in Pamplona. Yep. And so he's he's feeling really low about himself and he's about to go on another vacation with his family and his family says we don't want you on this vacation go with your friends have another vacation and in a line that turns my spine to glass go find your smile mitch so um he goes to a a dude ranch where they are going to bring cattle from like one farm two states over into another farm and uh, there, there are hijinks that ensue, and it's there was a lot of fun stuff because I really like Billy Crystal and I like mm-hmm. his delivery, but it's this isn't his his best work, nor is it his worst, but it's hmm. definitely a Billy Crystal vehicle. And by the way, M, it is directed by Ron Underwood, who directed one of your favorite movies, Tremors. Ooh. Great which movie. we talked about last uh, last we year about yep. the movies of 1990. Yeah. Yep. Which I've also talked about on my podcast plug. Yes, that's why uh, I brought it up. <laughs> I, I just looked this one up on Wikipedia. I for some reason I kept forgetting that Bruno Kirby was in this one and not John Lovitz, because John Lovitz is in the sequel. Is in the sequel, yeah. And the best the least the less said about the sequel, the better. The better, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite um John Lovitz being in it. Because yeah. John Lovitz always makes things great. I there there was a line in this movie that is just it's a great line. Daniel Stern has it. So Daniel Stern has been having an affair with uh, a girl working in his um the grocery store that he manages. And it's the grocery store is owned by his father-in-law and the wife is screaming at him and um she's like, "Oh, I'm going to go call my father." He's like, "Yeah, 
Good luck trying. Like, he's even available. Isn't tonight the night he hangs out with all the rest of the escaped Nazis? (laughs) (laughs) And then she screams back at him, I hate you. And she's like, I hate you more. If hate were people, I'd be China. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So it is, there are great lines in this movie. I haven't, again, I'm going to say it's been at least 25, 26 years since the last time I saw this movie. Wow. Jake yeah, Gyllenhaal. I can't remember if I've seen it since it was in theaters. I can't remember. For, for yeah, for a movie that's quote unquote so beloved, it it really doesn't get a lot of talk. And I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it in twenty twenty five years. It's not like one of those movies where I, I feel I have to like I stop and watch it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal is in this movie. Oh, that's right. He's the son, I think. Yeah. Uh all right. Well. Let's move on then to the best picture winner of 1991, $130.7 million, number four, Silence of the Lambs. That expires in one week. And aren't we an FBI, aren't you? I'm still in training at the Academy. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Yes, I'm a student. I'm here to learn from you. Maybe you can decide for yourself whether or not I'm qualified enough to do that. Mm. That is rather slippery of you, Agent Starling. Sit, please. Now then, tell me, what did Miggs say to you? Multiple Miggs in the next cell. He hissed at you. What did he say? He said, I can smell your cunt. I see. I myself cannot. You use Evian skin cream. And sometimes you wear lead at home. <laughs> Shall I? I'll just be straight up and honest. Um, that I have never seen the Silence of the Lambs. What? Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, I've never seen and, it either. Oh well, that's really? good because I, 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 I kind of felt like I was probably going to be the only person because I've, I've, I just feel like I've been put off watching it because people know that I'm not a huge fan of. Well. As, I know it's not really classed as a horror movie, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I suppose yeah, it's classed like, more as a thriller. Yeah, it's a psychological um, thriller. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I'm not a fan of those. And as the years have progressed and people are like, oh, you've got to watch Silence of the Lambs, it'll really shit you up. I'm like, I don't want to be shit up. So um, <laughs> I've basically avoided it all of my life. Um, so I know the rough plot and I know who's in it and I know roughly what happens and all of that. And I know the famous lines, but I will probably never see Silence of the Lambs. So yeah, yeah. that's all I have to say. Yeah. Typically when I watch a movie, if there's uh, cannibalism in it, I do not want to watch it. Yeah. It's, it's just one of my turnoffs. Sorry. Uh, well, it, well, the interesting thing about this movie is, is that well, first of all, the magnetism of Anthony Hopkins mm. in this movie 
you cannot deny it. He's in this movie. I think they, they tabulated seven, it's either seven or 12 minutes. In the grand scheme of things, this is Jodie Foster's movie. Just, right. Right. But they, which, is, which is kind of funny because, yeah, it is Jodie Foster's movie. But any, all anybody talks about is Anthony Hopkins' character. Yeah. Because every, he steals every single scene of every, every frame. You can't take your eyes off of him. Right. He's just so magnetic and so, and you can just feel the evil. In him, and, and, but he's so some, some, some actors can just do that, like like Ju- Dame Judi Dench in uh, Shakespeare in Love. I don't yes. remember much of the rest of that movie, but her three minutes on screen are amazing. And the funny and the funny thing is, a lot of people, it, it, it's like you don't realize that this movie is a follow up to Manhunter. It mm. is, yeah. It, no, it it is yeah. a follow up to Manhunter, even though it, they took it in a completely different creative direction than right, Manhunter. Exactly. Manhunter was made to kind of like emulate Miami Vice, like the, the yeah. aesthetic of a Miami Vice film. In fact, I think Michael Mann directed Manhunter. I, but I believe you're right. Jonathan Demme did such great work in this movie. He, he really, truly did. Um, and I don't want to take away from Jodie Foster. I think Jodie Foster gives possibly her best performance in this movie. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was kind of a loss when they brought Julianne Moore to replace her in uh, the, the follow up. Yeah. So, because Julianne Moore is good, it, it is quite good when she does what she does, but she's not Jodie Foster. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny, Jodie Fo- yeah, The uh, you, you talk about Jodie Foster. Um, Diane's watching uh, watches uh, Clarice, which is the TV series on CBS. Yeah, right. Which is basically the, supposed to be the direct sequel to. Silence of the Lambs, so, like it takes place immediately yeah. after. And I always, I always comment when she's watching, like, man, she the, the actress who plays, uh, you know, Clarice is trying so hard to channel Jodie Foster. <laughs> it, I mean, like she's trying to do the accent and everything. And it's like, oh, okay, come it's, on. And you know, the funny thing is, too, for a movie that is designated, it's it's it is a psychological thriller. It is designated as horror. And there are there are very few actual graphic scenes in this movie that would denote horror. I mean, the most graphic thing is when um, you know Lecter gets his hands on those guards, and that's right. as graphic as it gets. Um, but M, I I I I I swear to you, it is it is such a well put together movie. I haven't watched it in a few years, but I guarantee it's aged. Re- other than like the rampant homophobia in this movie um which has already been kind of called out it is it is a very good movie yeah i'm probably never gonna watch it (laughs) (laughs) chicken Uh, i'm not marty mcfly like you can't make me do something by calling me a chicken All right, well, let's move on then to uh, number three for the year, $165.4 million. And Steve says, technically, nobody in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is speaking English the way it was spoken in the 12th century. So why don't y'all shut the fuck up? Also, (laughs) why does Kevin Costner get all that heat and not Christian Slater? And Steve, I'll tell you why. Because uh, leading up to the release of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, People still couldn't shut the fuck up about Dances with Wolves and yep. how amazing Kevin Costner is and what a goddamn genius he is. There are making ofs of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, 
that go into the genius of Kevin Costner. I want that to sit and marinate for a second. We reckon he's nicked three to four million in the last five months, sir. All right, then, fine. Raise the bounty on his head. 25,000 crowns. Begging your pardon, sir, it won't do no good. How much you raise it? Really, scribe, and why is that? Because, sire, the poor, you see, he gives them what he takes. So, well, sire, they love him. Just a minute. Robin Hood steals money from my pocket, forcing me to hurt the public. And they love him for it? Yes. That's it. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. <laughs> okay. The genius of Kevin Costner. But here we are. Um, domestically, this was the number two movie of the year. But uh, I tried to pull global numbers, but they weren't really tracking all that well. Um, so... Yeah, $165.4 million is the reported uh, gross of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. What are your thoughts? Well, I oh, went to see oh, this oh. opening night in full costume with nice. a bunch of other... <laughs> other oh, well, alert. I mean, that's, that's more than my thoughts are worth. <laughs> I, I remember... I mean, I remember when it came out, it was a huge, huge thing because I... You, I don't know if you remember that uh, that movie theater on one ten and right off of one ten in Chelmsford. Yep. Oh yeah. Just being right next to a uh, child uh, uh, toy world or whatever it was, and me, James, and Matt White went to see it opening night, and it was filled to the brim with everybody from Acton Boxborough. Oh god. Oh god. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember it was a pretty raucous thing i mean people enjoyed it and thought it was a great movie and i mean i i enjoyed it i thought it was a good movie but i'm like yeah it, it, it was forgettable yeah you know outside of outside of the theme song that got played at every prom afterwards oh, god <laughs> that brian adams song was number one here in the uk for something like 16 weeks oh my i think gosh. it held the record at one point of being like the longest you know the song that's been at number one the longest so that this movie was huge over here. I would genuinely created if that were the case. Oh my goodness, Jesus! And you, this is this is, and, and and the UK has, you know gave us John Lennon and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> I I saw this movie at the Maynard Theater. So like, oh geez. that little hole in the wall theater. Yeah, um, and so. I'm just going to say it because apparently nobody else brought it up. Alan Rickman is almost legitimately the only reason oh, yeah, I really he, love this movie. He sa- he saved this movie. I mean, yeah, this is he's, this is I, I think this is this is the Alan Rickman we kind of came to fall in love with. Yes, yep. I I don't know if I've ever actually seen this movie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, know, I know I've seen um, Robin Hood Men in Tights a lot, but I don't think I've ever actually seen... I've, I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing all the way through. Wow. I, um... Yeah, it's... We showed this to my daughter not too, too long ago. Um... And she was like, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, no, exactly. 
it's okay. But then we showed her the um, the Errol Flynn version, and she just lost her mind of how silly it was. <laughs> because in the it, we, I was doing some like reading some trivia on IMDb about that, and the stuntmen were paid a hundred dollars extra for every scene that they were in because they were being shot at with real arrows. Oh God! Jeez. Like they had they had wooden boards, like balsa wood boards in their chest and in their back so they could take the arrow. But that doesn't change the fact that they are still being fucking shot with fucking arrows. <laughs> yeah. And never forbid they get one in the head. Oh, God. Yeah, just some, some dude gets one in the eye and it's just like, oh, well, hopefully he was one of the orphans that's owned by the studio. <laughs> yeah, I watched the making of when it aired on television and they talked about how, you know, cows used to be smaller. So they, when they were getting cows for background shots, they tried to get small cows. <laughs> and uh, like one day on the set, somebody turns to Kevin Costner and is like, I dare you to shoot that rabbit prop that's hanging from over there. And he takes his bow and he opens draws an arrow, fires, and he actually hits it. They're like, do it again. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's my, my, my one moment. I'm not going to do it again. Yep. <laughs> I, I was lucky I did that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it and step away. Yeah, and... I, just, I, just re- I just remember, like, everybody losing their shit over Sean Connery's 10-second cameo. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. I was, I was with a group of guys that were doing that, too. You know what, though? It... <sighs> All right. I have to I have to kind of backtrack on something. I said that really the, the main reason to love this movie is Alan Rickman. Morgan Freeman, I don't feel gets enough love for this movie. I think Morgan Freeman is yeah. one of the because he is literally there just rolling his eyes at all the silly white people. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It really is what if you really want to break it down, if you want to describe a movie badly, Morgan Freeman rolls his eyes at a bunch of silly white people. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, the whole, and they, you called my people barbarians. Yes. <laughs> How do there's, you there's think? A, I, yeah. I was just going to say, there's, there's a couple of reasons why I, I do have a lot of fondness for Prince of Thieves, mainly because it gave us men in tights, and I will okay. always be great. Well, partially gave us men in tights because men in tights has come from other things as well. But, um, and obviously, I did an episode of Men in tights plug. Um, but I remember, I didn't see this at the cinema because I was quite young when this came out, but I remember this being one of the movies that my dad bought us on VHS. Um, and I used to watch this so much when I was a kid and a lot of the stuff was quite inappropriate for a kid my age as well. Um, but I... I have a lot of fondness for this movie for for a few reasons. The first reason is obviously Alan Rickman. This was the first thing I ever saw Alan Rickman in, and I basically fell in love with him completely. Um, mm. The way that he delivers the lines, the "I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon," um, <laughs> and and all of those, um, you know, I can't do this with all this racket, um, you know. <laughs> And then you kind of realise when you grow up and you get older, you realise he's forcing marriage upon this woman and he's going to rape her and all of that stuff. And then you kind of think, oh, you know, this was not really suitable for a kid to watch. Um, But I do have a lot of fondness for it. But I I also appreciate the anachronisms 
I mean, there's loads of them. <laughs> I don't appreciate them in the way that I, I think they're forgivable because I don't. But one of the things that I always kind of think of this movie very fondly for is the fact that genuinely I did not know what Islam was until I saw ah. this movie. And and I obviously didn't realise that, um, obviously I knew that Azim came from a different country. Um, and then I, because obviously he mentions Allah, and I didn't know what that was. And I remember as a kid, I actually looked that up and I realised, you know, the basic fundamental things of Islam that obviously you, I didn't get taught when I was a kid. So essentially, right. my basic knowledge of Islam came <laughs> from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and I know that sounds ridiculous to say it now because obviously I don't base my whole knowledge of the Islamic faith on this movie but this this movie introduced me to a religion that I knew nothing about and it also introduced me to it in a really positive way because Azim yeah. was right. you know a really positive character um, he had really good principles. He was basically, look, you saved my life, so I will stick with you in, until I save your life. Um, and so I thought, actually, I've, I've been thinking about it, and I, I realised that actually having that positive influence in, you know, the Muslim faith as a young kid was actually probably a good thing and something to actually praise Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves for, because traditionally Islamic characters are not really served very well in, in movies because they're usually the terrorist, um, right. you know, or, or the generic bad guy. Um, but for me, realising, you know, have, re watching this movie, reading some books uh, in the library about Islam and realising about the faith and everything like that was actually a positive thing that came from this movie for me. Um, apart from, you know, all of the raping and pillaging and all of that stuff. <laughs> Um, but it's it is a ridiculous movie. Um, Kevin Costner doesn't speak with an English accent, <laughs> but it's I've I've got a lot of fondness for it. But it is mainly for Alan Rickman, and additionally, like Andy said, yeah. Morgan Freeman. Um, I think both of them are absolutely fantastic in this movie, and and obviously, like I say, I always appreciate Christian Slater um, because he's hot. And you take just one minute or so to talk about Michael McShane as Friar Tuck. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first time I really got a good look at, like, drunk Friar Tuck. Well, uh, before yep. this, I, I'd only known Michael McShane from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Whose Line Is It Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw this before I saw him on that, and I was, like, <laughs> trying to figure out, I was like, I suddenly went, oh, that's Friar Tuck! <laughs> nice. But yeah, he was... He's so funny. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the number two movie of Is this the... your finger? <laughs> the number two movie of the year with $204.8 million. Steve says, no discussion of Terminator 2 is complete without acknowledging the groundbreaking CGI effects. Though primitive by today's standards, they are now, they in no way detract from what will uh, well be made and thoroughly entertaining experience. Ten years from now, we'll uh, be having the same conversation about Weta Workshop's work on The Lord of the Rings as important stepping stones in the history of the science that art historians will discuss for centuries, which is why, uh, which is why what George Lucas did to Star Wars is a tragedy, and why haven't you released the originals, Uncle Walt? We were good. You promised. <laughs> just, yeah, at this point, I think we have to just wait for Lucas to die. 
Yeah, perhaps. I do, I, I do have the originals on DVD. They were released special yes. as like... Yep. Yep, yeah, I got those as well. As do I. I all right, what are, what are our thoughts on T2, Judgment Day? So this other guy, he's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. A T-1000. Advanced prototype. You mean more advanced than you are? Yes. And me medic poly alloy. What the hell does that mean? Liquid metal. Where are we going? We have to get out of the city immediately and avoid the authorities. Listen, I gotta stop by my house. I wanna pick up some stuff. Negative. The T-1000 will definitely try to reacquire you there. You sure? I would. It is really good. It, it, yeah. You, you, it, you could call it groundbreaking in a it lot is. of ways. Visually, this movie is fantastic. Em? I love Terminator 2. <laughs> I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I think it's groundbreaking in so many ways. I think, while I do think that some of the effects, obviously the CG effects, because they were very early CG, they have aged. Um, you know, and I think that, yes, we do have to acknowledge that CG effects do age. Um, but even then, uh, the quality of the effects that they do actually use uh, in this movie, um, it, it's really great as well, because although the effects are necessary for the movie, you know, you can't have the T-1000 without the, you know, the fact that when you shoot him, it basically, you know, the you get the metal, the yep. molten metal effect, um, which I think still looks overall really great. Mm. Um, I kind of feel like Terminator 2 Judgment Day would work without that because I think it's just such a solid story um, mm. and still so relevant to today and to our, you know, our reliance on AI and all of that sort of stuff. I often do believe that Skynet is real and the, the machines are going to rise at some point yep. in the near future. And Terminator 2 Judgment Day warned us in 1991 about the machine uprising. And we basically took it as a joke. And we made a movie about it and was like, oh, it's a really good movie, but it's never going to happen. And I think in a few years' time, I think we're going to be, you know, cowering to our machine overlords. And we're going to be like, shit, we should have paid attention <laughs> to that movie. And also, I think Linda Hamilton, I know that everyone kind of louds Arnold Schwarzenegger for this movie uh, because he is fantastic. He truly is great in the movie. Linda Hamilton is superb. Mm. Yes. I fully believe yeah. Linda Hamilton as, uh, as a trauma victim, as a mother, as someone who's someone who knows what the future holds and is trying to fix it um i i think this is an incredible movie and honestly i haven't got it planned on the schedule but i will be talking about terminator 2 judgment day at some point i definitely prefer it to the first movie as well i don't know what the rest of you think in comparison oh, to oh yeah oh yeah not even a comparison okay cool Unfo <laughs> it just is. it's an incredible movie Unfortunately, I, I believe this is also the movie that made that made James Cam Cameron believe he could do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, if I had anything to gripe about about this movie, and I think it's a, I think it's a really excellent movie. The dialogue in this movie is pure Cameron. 
Cameron can't write dialogue at all. And you know what? No, he he doesn't. He never gets really mentioned with this movie. But Robert Patrick is fantastic as the T one thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, he, and Joe Morton is Miles Dyson is also great. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Joe yeah. Morton. Yeah, yeah, he's just great. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I think this movie's fantastic. It definitely deserves... Mike, this definitely is one of those movies that deserves, like, the full uh, retro movie review. Oh, yeah. And I know, obviously, we're going to get it. We're going to get a um, a verbal diorama on it as well. So, excellent. Excellent. And you know what? I, I would say we do this uh, one-two punch with Terminator and Terminator 2. Because, I mean, Terminator 1 is not as good as this one. But it's still it's still a fair movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I'm down. I can do that. At some point, uh, a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot the, of Pixar the, movies to get through. Yeah, the stuff that they had to cut from the original movie for time. It's it's fun to like watch the the deleted scenes. Yeah, uh, and you know it's like, oh, how are we gonna how are we gonna get like you know we have to do this whole fake mirror thing? And uh, Linda Hamilton's like, I have a twin sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same thing with the um the security guard in the asylum. Right, right. Security guard of the asylum has a twin brother. They 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 always appear in movies together because you always yeah. need to have a double. Or in Gremlins yeah. too, they were both just twins. Yeah. Yeah, and and like they did have Michael Bean like in a dream sequence, and then they decided, you know, having him hold her up is less not as good as her just having the strength on her own. Also, yeah. Yeah. Like, but when they were interviewing him about it, he was in like. He had grown his mustache for Tombstone. So <laughs> the interview with him, I'm like, wow, that's a look. Because it was before Tombstone came out. <laughs> right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the final, uh, final movie of this part of the conversation here. Um, and this is really the only one I was absolutely able to get full worldwide numbers on. So in the U.S., it brought in $145.8 million. Worldwide, it took $248.8 million. And according to Steve, uh, this was the year a cartoon got nominated for Best Picture, and all the old yep. people in Hollywood crapped their pants in terror. Beauty <laughs> and the Beast. Yep. Gaston, what a pleasant surprise. Isn't it, though? I'm just full of surprises. You know, Belle, there's not a girl in town who wouldn't love to be in your shoes. This is the day... Hmm. Ah, this is the day your dreams come true. What do you know about my dreams, Gaston? Plenty. Yeah, picture this. A rustic hunting lodge, my latest kill roasting on the fire... My little wife massaging my feet while the little ones play on the floor with the dogs. We'll have six or seven. Dogs? No, Belle. Strapping boys like me. Imagine that. Do you know who that little wife will be? Let me think. You, Belle. Gaston, I'm... I'm... speechless. I really don't know what to say. <laughs> say you'll marry me. I'm very sorry, Gaston, but... but... I just don't deserve you. Whoa. 
I'm curious in terms of this era of Disney. So starting at The Little Mermaid, ending at Tarzan. Uh, where does this one sit for y'all? It probably for me it sits number three. Okay. Yeah, I'd say number two or three. Like I loved it at the time, but I've gotten less fond of it over the years. Yeah, for for me, number number one and number two will always be Aladdin and Lion King interchangeably. Yeah, um, yeah, easily. Am I think I'm just trying to think about what position I'd put it at because Disney Renaissance was obviously the Disney that I grew up with. So yeah. I have so such a fondness and a love for Aladdin that Aladdin would always be my number one because I watched Aladdin more than any other Disney movie during mm, yeah. this period. And then when it comes to number two, I feel like The Lion King is the better movie. Yeah. But Beauty and the Beast is the movie that I've seen more than The Lion King. And to for me, sure. it's slightly more enjoyable. The I can't, I can't even say the songs are better in Beauty and the Beast because The Lion King's got some absolute bangers. Um, but I think I just feel like that it's a bit Sophie's choice. I can't, I couldn't choose between <laughs> between the two. But I, I kind of love them both for very different reasons. Um, but I am, as I kind of repeatedly say on verbal diorama i am a huge fan of animation mm. and for me beauty and the beast is probably one of or if not the most beautiful looking disney renaissance movie i think it's absolutely impeccable the everything that they do with the, the art of this movie i think is stunning uh, i rewatched it recently i think back in april um, and I'm still blown away by how good looking this movie is. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. you know, the, the, the little CG touches that are in there, they obviously made a big deal about, you know, they still do to an extent about the ballroom and the chandelier and, and, and yeah, that, that looks fine. Like I'd never say that looks brilliant. Um, I think it looks fine to me. The traditional animation, uh, in this movie is absolutely impeccable. Um, I genuinely think, despite the issues that I have, um, you know, with some of the fundamentals of the actual Beauty and the Beast story, mm. because I do have issues with that. Mm. Um, but as a as an advertisement for what traditional Disney animation could do, I genuinely don't think there's anything better, better looking the Beauty and the Beast. I think when it comes to just like 2D animation, you would be hard pressed to find anything more stunning and beautiful than the beast transformation at the end. Yeah, that, with with the with the little um, the things kind of coming out, the pulses of light coming out of yeah. his joints, and or I mean, yeah, it's, it's absolutely stunning. The the rose, you know, when the petals of the rose and they glow, and then mm. and then as they wilt, the the glow kind of goes. It's it's actually really, um, if you watch Beauty and the Beast, a lot of the um, a lot of the techniques that they use, they actually simulated the multi-plane camera that was obviously used at the start of Disney, uh, yeah. where you had the multiple planes of uh, stills 
and the camera kind of goes through them. That's all like simulated to kind of harken back to that age of Disney because well, they really wanted it to have that feel of something like Sleeping Beauty or um, Snow White or something like that. And I, and I, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, this is this is this is really. I think this was like the first Disney movie to make extensive use of computer generated animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> especially with the the ballroom dancing scene between with Beauty and the Beast, and it really kind of laid laid the groundwork for a lot going forward, especially for like Lion King, you know, where the stampede was all computer generated but put into a two D space. Uh, I mean, technically speaking, the first uh, anim- first Disney animated movie to make use of computers is um, Black Hall. Uh, no, uh, The Rescuers Down Under. Black Cauldron came out first, though. There is some use of, of really? CG in the- Yes, it's yeah, very that- minor. It's very, it's very yeah, minor. Not, not to the extent that Beauty and the Beast used it, where right, the entire right. scene was right. made. Right. Yeah. But. So my, my take on this is that I'm, I'm with Catherine where it's just like there are movies that will overtake it in terms of what where I regard Beauty and the Beast. But my focus as of late in like the last five or six years has completely moved over to Gaston because Gaston really is the star of this movie. He's the villain of the piece. but He's also <laughs> the star of this entire movie. And if well, you go to Disney World, the wine moms are all about Gaston. It's like uh, yeah. the most popular meet and greet. Well, I mean, that's that's easily the most fun uh, I'm sure any cast member has ever had. Because yeah. you just get to act like Gaston, and that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, and, and, you know, also, as a follow-up to The Little Mermaid, I mean, it's just like... You know, yeah, everybody credits The Little Mermaid with the Renaissance, but the, you know, Beauty and the Beast is like, oh well, Disney just surpassed themselves. You know, this is this is incredible, right? But yeah, yeah. You, you're right. As as years go on, and then you see like, okay, The Lion King and everything else that follow on after that, you're like, oh, okay, maybe the Beauty and the Beast isn't as great as people think well, thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's What's really the most interesting, I think, about the movie is, like you said, with Gaston, is just seeing how Gaston and the Beast's trajectory are pretty much exact opposites of each other. As the Beast mm-hmm. becomes more human, Gaston becomes more because, beast-like. Yes. Yeah. So what's what's everyone's favorite song from this movie? Ooh. Oh, it's Gaston. Hands okay. down, it's Gaston. I love singing that song. Yeah, for, for me, it's Beauty and the Beast because Angela Lansbury can do no wrong with that song, yeah. and she did it all in like pretty much one take too. So that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, so because anyway. um, yep. well, yep. for me, it it would be uh, be our guest. Because yeah. a fun song. Yes, I think it's super fun. I I genuinely love it, but also. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, actually, so there's there's a couple of, uh, there's only a handful of movies that have ever been nominated for three um, song, Oscar, best song Oscars. Yep. Um, so Beauty and the Beast actually is one of those, uh, along with The Lion King, Dream Curls and Enchanted. 
And they basically brought a new rule in at the Academy in 2008, meaning a film could only have a maximum of two songs nominated yeah. because basically movies like Beauty and the Beast, the songs were so good. Uh, and and they pretty much are all bangers in this as well. Yeah. I do keep Gaston because I think it encompasses the toxic masculinity of a character so perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for me, Be Our Guest is just such an amazing song and uh jerry orbach as well mm. is so good uh in yeah. this movie. i mean pretty much everyone i i often kind of find with movies that have um singing right that a lot of the issue that i had with the recent live action remake of beauty and the beast which i thought was okay i didn't think it was spectacular but the main issue that i had with it was the songs because obviously the cast did their own singing, which is fine. Like they had perfectly fine voices. Emma Watson, perfectly fine singing voice. But she wasn't Paige O'Hara. No. Right. And when you've got a, when you've got a song like, um, like Belle, for example, you really want someone who can belt it out of the park. Because this is her big I want song. This is basically the, the typical Disney, I want song. This is what I want. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. But with Emma Watson, I was like, but does she really want it? Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't, didn't feel that from her. Uh, whereas this animated version, I genuinely feel. Although I do have a gripe with it yeah. that Belle has this wish to have adventure in the great wide somewhere. But she ends up being married um and i mean fine okay i'm pretty certain that maybe her and the prince could go off and do adventures and what but that wasn't her want she wanted to get out of this small provincial town she wanted to get into the world she wanted to learn she wanted to create that was what she really wanted to do and then she's just like now nah, i'm just gonna marry a dude <laughs> so i was like okay well i mean fair enough she's she's probably one of the more modern princesses uh that disney has but yeah, I, I, I do have issue with, I want adventure. <laughs> no, nah, I just want to get married. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> so, anyway, um, let's, let's wrap up this conversation, and we're going to move on to part two, which will be available in about a week before we close out part one. M, tell our audience where they can find you. I mean, if anyone does want to hear me rant about certain movies, <laughs> I mean, and who wouldn't? feel free, feel free. <laughs> um, so you can find Verbal Diorama uh, on your generic podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple or Google or Spotify or any of the big or small names in podcasting that are out there. Um, you can also find me on social media. I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. So come hit me up. Let's talk about some movies um i do talk a lot and a lot of the time it's to myself so i'm always happy to talk to other human beings about movies um so yeah just come and talk to me awesome yeah. awesome thank you and you can find us uh pretty much wherever you find m's podcast we are here as well uh you can follow us on twitter at geek salad radio and on facebook at geek salad podcast check out our youtube channel geek salad podcast where we do weekly movie reviews we just last night uh recorded one last night this episode will be released a few weeks from now uh <laughs> but we just did uh hudson hawk with uh our friend thomas 
from the Movies After Work podcast and a movie we will be talking about in part two. So Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. So <laughs> until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. And M will be returning for part two. We will talk to you in about a week. And go forth and be nerdful. Talk to you later. Bye. The super success, don't you know? Can't you just ask his fans and his five hangers on? There's just one guy in town who's got all of it down. And his name's G-A-S-T. I believe there's another T. It just occurred to me that I'm illiterate and I've never actually had to spell it out loud before. Gaston. What the fucking lotion in the basket? <gasps> <gasps>